Good morning, everyone. How's everyone doing? Doing good? I have been excited about being here with you for quite a while now. Um, with Pete first, I think the first interaction I ever had with Pete, he sent me an email that was just a situation like this with a screen like this. They just said, hey, we'll let you know we talked about First 15 as a church. Um, and that was one of the first churches. We were pretty early in launching First 15 and so trying to figure out what is this thing going to be? What's God's plans for this? And when Pete sent me this video of him talking about First 15 from a stage, honestly, that was one of the main ways that opened up. What would, what would it look like for a whole community of people to be able to wake up every day and have a meaningful time alone with God together? How could God meet with a community of people and how could that community transform a church and a city? And if communities were able to root and ground themselves every morning in the presence of God, how could that transform our nation? And so really our conversation kind of opened up a pathway of what it looks like to resource communities to meet with God together. And so I'm so grateful for that, Pete. And the Lord's used you in a lot of ways in my life and Jane as well, getting to go to dinner with you guys last night. And so thanks so much for inviting me to be here today. Um, and I'm so excited to have been called the closer before. To be the closer today. It's a little ominous, I'm like, but I'm so excited. <laughs> when Pete told me about the, the series on prayer, I told him, like, I just want to come and be here. This sounds amazing. Talking about, like, Ignatian contemplation at a church, that's like my jam. So this is amazing. I love what you guys have been doing here as a body, and I'm really excited to be able to close out this series today talking about the role of worship as prayer. Uh, I really think that worship is an often missed or maybe just misunderstood aspect of prayer. So what we're going to do is kind of talk about how those things are connected. We might not walking in today see prayer and, and worship as really a connected pursuit of communication. So we're going to talk about how they're connected and what that might mean for us. I'm going to share a few thoughts on prayer in general because I can't help it, right, with the series on prayer. I feel like the Lord's put some things on my heart I need to talk about today and the role of prayer in our lives as a people and how desperate we are and need to be for prayer and communication with God. And we're going to spend most of the time actually talking about worship. And how worship is this vital form of communication and connection with God and what it might do in our lives and our hearts as we center our lives around God and his goodness and use that as a tool for meeting with Jesus. So let me pray for us, then we're going to dive in. Lord Jesus, thank you for this morning. I thank you even personally, Lord, that you know right where I am. For every single person that walked through these doors today, God, or maybe is watching online, you know our need, you know our want. Before we said a thing or did a thing today, your heart was already filled with love for us. Your heart was already filled with grace for us. And God, that you have a plan to do far more than we could ask or imagine even this morning right now. God, we don't want to talk about you as if you're not in this room. As if you're not with us already filled with love for us, Lord. So come and meet us. May today not just be informational, God, but experiential that we'd walk away from this time knowing that we met with our creator, the creator of heaven and earth, and that you were good and real and loving. In your name, Jesus, amen. Okay, so first I wanna talk about the connection of worship and prayer. How are these two things connected? And to that end, <clears throat> I wanted to find prayer as simply, for our purposes today, to find prayer simply as communication and conversation, right? So often I think when we say the word prayer, a picture comes to mind for us of what prayer looks like. And I think far often that picture is never as broad and as all-encompassing as God would intend for it to be. That really in its simplest and purest form, prayer is conversation and communication with God. And to the end, prayer is not supposed to be a one-way street, right? A one-sided communication or conversation. 
But instead, prayer is meant to be a conversation where we not only talk, but we listen. And in fact, I want to put before you today that I think listening might actually be the most important part of prayer and connection and communication. And that worship plays a vital part in connecting our head and our heart. We're going to talk more about that in a minute. As we make space to not only talk with God, converse with God, but to actually receive from God and listen to God. Some other Teresa defines prayer this way. Prayer is not asking. Prayer is putting oneself in the hands of God at his disposition and listening to his voice in the depth of our hearts. Prayer is putting ourselves in the hands of God and listening in the depth of our heart. What I want to submit to you today is I think worship is this incredible opportunity to open up depths of our heart. We might not, need, might, we might not even know we're closed off to God. And allow God to do work far beyond what we could ask or imagine, even beyond what we could even put words to. And so I think we need to think about prayer in this way, that it's a relational act, right? It's not just a conversation, it's a relationship building act, it's a core relationship building act. And the worship and prayer are connected in that way. Because worship is an absolutely vital form of communication and conversation with God. Things happen when we worship, right? Opportunities happen when we worship that, op- that opens up opportunities for communication and conversation that are unlike any other form of prayer. And I think when we think of prayer, we don't often think of worship, right? And so because of that reason, I think we maybe are missing as a people the power of what worship can bring as a conversation starter with God, as a chance to center our hearts and our lives around who God is and his nearness and goodness. So to define worship... Richard Foster says it this way. I love this quote from him. Worship is our response to the overtures of love from the heart of the Father. Its central reality is found in spirit and truth. So worship is a response, right? It's not something we drum up. It's not something that God calls us to fake. God never calls us to fake anything. You'll never find that command in scripture, right? Instead, God calls us to be a people that would receive who he is, a revelation of who he is, the overtures of love from his heart, and that we would ground ourselves in worship related in spirit and truth. We'll come back to this later. That's Richard Foster quoting John 4, the words of Jesus. He goes on to say, it's kindled within us only when the spirit of God touches our human spirit. Forms and rituals do not produce worship. I love what you said, Pete, a second ago, that this idea of praying over people, of declaring things over people is not a ritual, right? God really moves when we pray. Forms and rituals do not produce worship, nor does the disuse of forms and rituals. This is how he ends it. He says, we can use all the right techniques and methods. We can have the best possible liturgy, but we have not worshiped the Lord until spirit touches spirit. So I think prayer and worship are connected because they're acts of building a relationship, having a conversation, a two-way conversation, right? Where we're asking, we're declaring, we're telling, but we're also listening, receiving, and allowing God to mold and fashion us into his likeness. So just for a second, I want to back up a second from the idea of worship and prayer and talk about music as a form of communication in a way that I think most of us are really familiar with. I want to talk about it in the, in the way, in, using illustrations of films. So film directors, when they think about music, they recognize how critical it is to score whatever it is they're trying to communicate. So if it's a sad moment, the music's sad. If it's a happy moment, it's uplifting and there's maybe timpani drums and all these things that are happening to kind of build up. It's a war movie. There's these war sounds. So let's look at three illustrations of film producers using music for the purposes of communicating. First illustration, famous line from the movie Titanic. In case you haven't seen it, spoiler alert, the boat sinks, right, in the Titanic. (laughs) 
And for whatever reason, Rose is in the water. She's on, I think, a door floating. And Leonardo DiCaprio, playing the character Jack, is kind of hanging on where there's totally space on the door for both of them. I'll never understand why he had to be hanging on for his dear life. But she says these famous words, I'll never let go, Jack. I'll never let go from Rose and the Titanic, a.k.a. Butterfingers. Because what does she do? She lets him go, like, immediately. It's like, as she's saying the words, I'll never let go, he's, like, glugging into the water in the distance. It's a sad scene. But think about this movie in the context of it didn't have the magical voice of Celine Dion scoring the movie, right? Or that weird pan flute flute sound that plays that core theme throughout it. Right? Music is this really important part of what they're trying to communicate in the movie Titanic. When she's on the front of the boat and the wind's blowing in her hair, if it was just boat sounds and seagulls, like, it would not be near as magical. This would not be near as sad if it was just the sounds of Leonardo DiCaprio like glugging in the water as he falls down. They need Celine Dion, right? She's a critical part. They should have given her like more money than they did. I'm sure they gave her enough. Second illustration. So we have Titanic. Second one. You had me at hello, right? Rom-coms. Music is a critical part of romantic comedies, of rom-coms. So that's Jerry Maguire, Tom Cruise, right? I call him aka normal impossible because he's the weirdest person so he plays Mission Impossible movies, and normal is not possible for him. So I call him normal impossible. He has this phrase, right? You had me at hello. As the movie, like the screen or the camera pans to his face and the characters across the room from him, and he says this phrase that's not true. Like, no relationship does someone have you at the word hello. That's not enough information to be able to declare that you're my life partner, right? But he says it anyways, and we believe it. And why do we believe it? Right? You have the whole movie, but you also have this magical musical moment where there's this, the motion of the music is kind of pulling on our heartstrings. It's like, I really do think you had me at hello. Like, that really is possible. And we believe it. Third illustration, every scary movie ever. Are there any scary movie fans in here? Nice. I don't know if I should admit I'm a scary movie fan. I am a scary movie fan. Um, so every scary movie ever by name one, because every scary movie would not be near as scary without the music, Right? Mostly it's just them creaking around like some old house and you would just hear like the floorboards creak and there wouldn't, if you didn't have the dissonant strange sounds and sounds that aren't harmonious kind of leading up to the moment where something jumps out, scary movies would not be near as scary. Like music is a critical component of the, of the film producer communicating that, hey, this is a scary moment, you need to get ready, except for the movie The Shining. Who's seen The Shining? When Jack Nicholson like bursts through the door with an ax, that's scary no matter what. And he's like, here comes Johnny, that's scary no matter what. Okay, so in our normal life, I think we accept as a people that music is this vital form of communication and even conversation, right? It underscores so many moments that we experience as a people in our daily life. Advertisers know it. They know they can't just show what the product does or this person using the product. They have to have music that scores how you're supposed to feel about the product, right? Movie producers know it. But I think as a people, we fail to recognize the power of music as a tool for expressing emotion as a form of communication and conversation. So that's how worship and prayer are connected, right? Prayer is simply communication and conversation with God. And worship is a vital, often missed, or maybe misunderstood form of communication and conversation. So the second thing I want to talk about, just a few thoughts on prayer in general, then we're going to dive deep into what it means to truly worship as a people. Why pray? Specifically, I want to focus on this word, why. Until we understand and can answer this question for ourselves, it doesn't matter all the resources, all the tools for how to do something, right? We as a people have to know why. I have to know why. I can only live doing something because I should do it for so long. 
But if I have a true revelation of why it's meaningful for me, then I can truly give my life to something. So the first question I think for us to ask before we do anything else as a people, looking at the goal of being a people that would pray, even the Bible says to pray without ceasing, right? Why does the Bible tell us to do that? Not just because we should, right? There has to be some reason behind it. What I wanna say to you today is, I think God is telling us that we need to pray because of need and want, right? That we desperately need as a people conversation with God. God is calling us to pray because we, he knows that we need conversation with him to just live the life that he's provided for us. And ultimately, God would have that stir up a true desire to pray, a true desire to converse with God. I think because God today wants to even raise our bar for living to the standard of abundant life. That Jesus says in John 10, 10, he came to give us life and life abundant. And that prayer and communication and conversation with God is a vital part of not only raising the bar and the standard for, for what life can be like, but as an avenue to actually reach that bar for abundant life. So if you're here today and you don't feel this, right? You don't feel like you need prayer, be honest first with yourself. If you're here today, you don't feel like you want to pray, you want to worship. The first step is to be honest with yourself and know that God has grace for you. He knows exactly why you're feeling that way. But today, he does want to take you from the place of feeling just today like you should pray to actually getting to the place to where you recognize that you need and want to pray. And if anything else happens today, I hope that this happens. I hope that God takes us this morning from the place of just feeling like we should pray to tomorrow earnestly recognizing that we need to pray and that we want to pray. Here's the two reasons, in my opinion, I think, that we don't feel the need and desire to pray. I'll just go to the next one. First reason that we don't realize how desperate we are for conversation with God as a people. Think right now, what would be different in your life? What question do you have about your life? What fear do you have about your life? Where do you need more direction in your life? And what if you knew how God felt about you and where he's leading you and guiding you? How would that change the way that you're living your experience today? Think about how desperate we are to not need the affections and affirmation of people, right? Because in conversation with God, God tells us as the creator and founder of the earth that we are fully known and fully loved. He came to be able to forgive us, to lead us to an abundant life. Think about how life would be different if we had daily conversations with God, using even the tool of worship to have that conversation, to walk out into our day equipped and empowered to be able to live differently. And think about if we truly today, where is your standard for living too low? Where have you just accepted that your situation is your reality and not through prayer ask God to come and meet you in that situation and take you to the place of abundant living? Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe it's at work. You're kind of showing up to get a paycheck, right? But in the inside, you're like, why am I even doing this? Do I even want to be here? Maybe it's some other relationship. Maybe it's a perspective for yourself. God wants to raise your bar for what life can be like in those areas today and then use prayer and worship as a vehicle to help you achieve that abundant life. Okay, so last thing for today, and then we're gonna practice this for just a minute. How can worship be a vital and essential part of this communication and conversation with God? The first question I wanna address is back to this question, why? So why worship as a part of prayer? We've answered, the, I think, this question of why pray, right? Because we need to, and ultimately, if we wanna have an abundant life, we, need, we want to, right? We wanna have conversation as a vehicle to be able to achieve abundant life. But why worship as a part of prayer? 
The first reason is that I truly believe that worship, maybe more than any other spiritual practice, connects our heads and our hearts. So often we as Christians value our mind, right? The truths that we think about. A lot of times in our time alone with God, we even equate time alone with God to being one-to-one with just reading scripture, right? Like, did I read my Bible today? And here we say the Bible is a critical component to a thriving life with God, but it's by no means the only component, right? And actually, if we'll begin our day with the practice of worshiping and center our time alone with God around the character of God and his goodness, receiving from him his love and his presence through the act of worshiping and that conversation with God through worship, then we can walk even into our time alone with God as just one rhythm with our heart and our head connected, emotionally engaging in whatever it is that we're trying to communicate and say, having been emotionally engaged with, with God's spirit touching our spirit, and having the ability to actually move forward into our time of one with God and therefore into our day with our head and our our hearts connected. Jesus says it this way, God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth, right? And I think about this so often as head and heart, right? God wants us to worship him with our whole being. And I think we as oftentimes those that are Westerners that are built on kind of this logical framework and philosophy for living, we believe in the power of our mind, right? We care about our intellect and our, think, our ways of thinking and do we know what's true? But we often fail to say like, are our hearts engaged in that truth as a people? Are we emotionally healthy? Do we even care about that, right? Or do we just live with stress and anxiety? There was a massive down around stress and anxiety and um, pulling hundreds of thousands of employees across five continents. And they found that stress has become our new normal as a people. We've just said that stress is a natural part of life. But scripture says, do not be anxious about anything, right? But with prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known to God and the peace which surpasses all understanding will be yours in Christ Jesus. Do not be anxious about anything is a command I just gloss over because I so often just accept that anxiety is a part of normal life, right? A part of being a dad, a part of having a job, a part of having a wife, a part of being a human just walking around this earth. But Jesus says that he wants us to engage him not only with our mind, but with our heart. And that every single day through prayer, peace can be yours. Not because of your circumstances getting corrected, but even in the midst of your circumstances. And worship is a vehicle to have our head and our heart connected and to experience that full revelation of what God has for us. Back to this Richard Foster idea that we have not worshiped the Lord until spirit touches spirit. So that's number one. Worship connects your head and your heart. That's why it's a vital component to prayer. Number two, because songs make truths stick. Songs make truths stick. And we know this, right, with our children. We know this as kids. Like if I start singing the alphabet song, I'm pretty sure everyone in here could say A, B, C, D, E. Like we all know that song, right? It helps us learn the basic building blocks of how we frame up living in the world. And my son knows this. My son is three. I have, I have two boys, nine months and three, three years old. So my, my toddler, Wes, loves Daniel Tiger. Is anyone here a Daniel Tiger fan, even as an adult, let alone your kids are a fan? So I, as an adult, am an actual Daniel Tiger fan myself now. So like there's this one episode, I'm an extreme introvert when, you do, when I've done like the tests or whatever. And so there's this one episode where it's okay for Daniel to sit in his corner and read his book, even though his friends want to ask him to come out and play. So my son Wes is like, let's watch Daniel Tiger. I'm like, great, we're watching this episode because somehow this episode literally like ministers to me as an episode of Daniel Tiger. So I love it. But there's this other episode in Daniel Tiger where Daniel's mom has to go to work 
And so she drops off Daniel at a friend's house and they sing the song together, Grown Ups Come Back is the name of the song, Grown Ups Come Back. So now when I go to work in the morning, I'll literally hear my son Wes singing to himself this song, Grown Ups Come Back. And it brings tears to my eyes. It's this amazing moment of like, oh, he gets it. Like this song is helping the truth that I will come home stick inside of his mind. And it impacts his experience with me leaving every single day. So we know this as kids, but why does that have to stop when we're kids where we allow songs to help truth stick? Why can't we, how much more important is it even as adults that we recognize truth? What lies are impacting your life this morning even? That if you knew what truth was, that your life would be different. Songs like I Surrender All are a powerful tool of communication and conversation with God that as we sing the song and even repeating, I surrender, I surrender all. All to Jesus, I surrender, I surrender all. As we sing those choruses out, we have this opportunity to have a conversation with God, right? It's like, Holy Spirit, illuminate the things in my life and my heart that are keeping me from experiencing abundant life. And then as you sing the song, you can lay those things down at the feet of Jesus. It's this vital way to have truth stick, that God is worth us surrendering our lives to him, that he wants to take our burdens from us, and that his yoke is easy and his burden is light. Songs can be such a framework for having truth stick. Same thing for holy, 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 right? This biblical idea that all of heaven and earth are declaring the holiness of God, that in heaven right now, the seraphim are flying around the throne of God, declaring for all of eternity the holiness of God. When we sing truths like this, it gives us the opportunity to elevate God to his true and right place as Lord of all and to align our lives with that truth of his holiness. Songs make truth stick in a way that's unique and powerful and that we even as adults need to embrace if we're truly gonna live the life that God has for us. Okay, so why worship? First, because worship, maybe even more than any other spiritual practice, makes us a whole and healthy being connecting our head and our heart. Number two, that songs make truth stick. Number three, worship puts God at the center. That's why First 15, every single day, for those of you that use it, we start every single day's devotional with worship because there's a temptation, even in our time alone with God, to make that time all about us, right? When the reality is, is if we will put God at the center of our story and our life and align our lives with him being at the center, him being the goal, him being the pursuit, him being king and Lord of all, that's when those, so many things fall in line and our life is so much better as a result. A.W. Tozer says it this way, as God is exalted to the right place in our lives, a thousand problems are solved all at once. As God is exalted to the right place in our lives, a thousand problems are solved all at once. And worship is an incredible spiritual practice to be able to accomplish this. Imagine spending every single day, the very beginning of your day, putting God at the center of your story, putting God at the center of your problems, God cares deeply about your experiences. He cares deeply about the problems that you're feeling. But things happen when we put God in the middle of those where problems just don't matter as much, right? When life is not all about me, it just doesn't matter as much what's happening inside of my circumstances, right? Because it's not about me anyways. When, God, when life is all about God, when life is not about me, when someone says something negative about me, it just doesn't seem to matter as much, right? Because life isn't about me anyways. There's this amazing opportunity to have so many problems solved if we'll begin every day with the practice of having a conversation with God through worship and even root and ground our time alone with God on the practice of worship. 
and live our lives grounded in the truth that God is the center of our human story, right? Of our story and our collective stories. God is the center of it all. Jesus is Lord of all. And things will only be healthy and right when we put him truly at the center of our Lord and as Lord of our life. So how do we practice this as a people, even right now? I always say whenever I get a chance to travel and speak that the goal of this is not just that it's informational, that you walk away feeling again like you have an understanding, maybe a better understanding of how worship can be connected to prayer and what it might produce in your life, but that instead we have a chance to actually make that experiential this morning. That we could walk away today specifically accomplishing two things. So I'm gonna lead us in a time of prayer to be able to accomplish this. Number one, that we recognize our need to have conversation with God today that we would invite the Holy Spirit to illuminate our need today. And number two, that we would raise our bar for living to the status of abundant life and therefore walk out of this room equipped and empowered to want to worship, to want to pray with this goal of achieving abundant life. So join with me. We're gonna take just the next few minutes to pray and invite God to meet us towards these two pursuits. Would you bow your heads? Our good and faithful Father, there is no one like you, no one as good as you, no one as worthy as you. Lord, Holy Spirit, illuminate our need this morning. Show us places in our life that would be positively impacted if we were to engage in the pursuit of conversation with you through worship and prayer. And take just a few moments to invite God to speak into your life and to give you an awareness of your need for conversation with him. sense this in the first service, I'll say it again in this service as well. Um, um, if you're walking into work every single day and you just don't feel like you have vision for that space, um, you feel like maybe you're there because you know it provides for your family to some degree or for yourself, but you don't really have an earnest desire to be there, that God would want to meet you in that place and converse with you about it, even this morning to either give you fresh vision for work, for what you were created for, or maybe even to lead you to a place of asking him to open up some doors for you to find work that you are passionate about. So this morning, can you talk with him even just for a second and trust him with your work? second, we're going to take just a moment to raise our bar for living to the standard of abundant life. Jesus, we thank you that your word says that you came to give us life and life abundant. God, that you lived a perfect life but died a sinner's death and were raised again for our sake. And that at your death, Jesus, the veil was torn in two from top to bottom, signifying the reality that your presence is now available for every single one of us. And in Corinthians, you call us now the temple of your spirit. Raise our bar for what that means for us, God. What it means for our emotions, what it means for our mind, for our circumstances, for our relationships. Raise our bar this morning. Show us one area that we're settling this morning, Jesus. 
And Holy Spirit, help us raise our bar for living to the standard of abundant life. Allow the Holy Spirit to illuminate one area in your life he wants to raise your bar for. Thank you, Jesus, for the way you meet with us as your people. As we walk out today, God, Holy Spirit, would you seal what you've done in our hearts and our minds? Things we might be able to put words to and things we can't put words to. Unify us as your people. Lead and guide us, Holy Spirit. Direct us. Consume us with your love, Lord Jesus. And stir our hearts to know you better and to love you better through worship and prayer. In your name, amen.